Keep your Bibles open to Luke 12, and let us pray. Our Father, now as we turn our attention to Luke's gospel, we pray that you would help us. Father, each of us um, has something going on in our, in our, our heads and our hearts that we've been uh, concerned about. Uh, this week, maybe many things, but Father, help us right now to just turn our attention to you, to know that you are speaking, to know that this is uh, words that have come from, from you, from the Lord Jesus, and he meant his people to hear, to know, and to be prepared. So Lord, help us to hear and know and be prepared this morning by your spirit. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. For those of you who regularly use the, the King James Version for your Bible translation, or you have used it in the past, uh, many, many have probably grown up uh, with that version, um, you may be familiar with one of my favorite phrases in the King James Version, that is, Gird up your loins. Gird up your loins. It's actually a fairly common phrase in the Bible. It appears at least seven times in different places as gird up your loins. And it also appears in a few other places uh, put a little differently. Like in our first verse of our text this morning, verse 35, in the King James Version, it is, let your loins be girded about, and your lights burning. Uh, now, some of the younger folks in this congregation, and, and maybe even some of the older, may think, what in the world are they talking about when they talk about girding up your loins? And so I have a picture um, that I found that might help us with that. I thought I did anyway. There it is. How to gird up your loins. So again, this is uh, from, you know, first century, and, and men in, in those days didn't, didn't wear pants like we wear pants. Um, they wore robes. They're not dresses. That's why I have to tell my daughter, Betty, all the time, no, they're not dresses. <laughs> they're robes. And uh, robes, you know, are comfortable, I guess, to wear around. But if you're doing work, or if you're running, robes are not very comfortable to do that in. So you have to gird them up. Uh, and so that's a, a way for you to, to gird them up. If you ever want, wondered how to do that, you can look it up on the Art of, Manu the Art of Manliness uh, website <laughs> and find out how to gird up your loins. So anyway, uh, the first time that we see this command in the Bible, thanks Garrett, um, is in Exodus 12, verse 11. Exodus 12, verse 11. Now, do, do you remember what was going on in Exodus 12? God's people were enslaved in Egypt, held captive by the Pharaoh, and the Lord had been showing Pharaoh and all of Egypt who was boss, who was the Lord, who was the true God. He had sent nine different judgments upon them called plagues, and in chapter 12, he was preparing his people for the last one, for the tenth judgment, the tenth plague, which would be the worst of all. The Lord would send the angel of death into Egypt 
to kill every firstborn son of every household. But he gave instructions to his people, the Israelites, of how they could prepare for that so that their sons could be saved. Now the Lord knew this would be the decisive plague. He knew that Pharaoh would send the people of Israel away following this judgment upon them. And so God instructed his people to be ready, to be prepared, to go. And here's what we read in Exodus 12, 11 and, and 12. In this manner you shall eat it, that is the, the Passover feast, with your belt fastened, that's the ESV, King James Version is with your loins girded, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand, and you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover, for I will pass through the land of Egypt, that is, I'm coming, I'm coming, I'll pass through the land of Egypt that night, and I will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and on all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgments. I am the Lord. So the Lord was letting his people know that he was about to come. He was coming, and they had better be ready for his coming. And the most important concern that they were to have was to prepare themselves and their household for the Lord's coming. For he says, gird up your loins. That is, make sure you are ready to go. Make sure you are ready for my coming. And in our passage from Luke 12, Jesus looks back at that event in Exodus 12 and he echoes that same command to his people. Gird up your loins. Stay dressed for action. Keep your lamps burning. That is, make sure you are ready. Make sure you are ready. That you're expecting it. That you won't be caught off guard when I come. For I will come. It's just a matter of time. And if we know what is to come in the future, well then, it affects how we live today. And that's the lesson of this passage for us this morning. The Lord is coming. Let's make sure we are ready. Our main theme then from this passage is faithful Christians anticipate and will be prepared for the return of the Lord Jesus. Faithful Christians anticipate and will be prepared for the return of the Lord Jesus. Uh, let's look first at the first few verses here, 35 through 40, and in this section, I put the heading over it, Be ready, for Christ will come at an unexpected time. Stay dressed for action, keep your lamps burning, and be like men who are waiting for their master to come home from the wedding feast, so that... They may open the door to him at once when he comes and knocks. Blessed are those servants whom the master finds awake when he comes. Truly I say to you, he will dress himself for service and have them recline at table, and he will come and serve them. If he comes in the second watch or in the third and finds them awake, blessed are those servants. But know this, that if the master of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have left his house to be broken into. You also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. So Jesus compares how his people ought to prepare for his future coming 
by relating it to how the servants of a household ought to prepare for the return of their master from a wedding feast. In those days, weddings were pretty big events, far bigger than they are today. They, they could last days, even weeks. And a wealthy wedding guest, that is one who had servants, or more literally here, slaves, to manage his household, would leave for the wedding, and his servants uh, were to, to, they were never really certain of when he would return home. And so they would make sure that they were prepared to welcome their master home whenever he arrived, whenever that would be. They, of course, didn't have cell phones back then. They, you know, the master couldn't just send him a text uh, after he left the party, so they would you know, know exactly what, what day and approximately at what time to expect his arrival. No, it could be on any day and at any time. Even in the midst of the night, it didn't matter. The servant's responsibility was to make sure they were ready for him to arrive. Make sure things were in order for their master. And they had to prepare themselves and their household for his coming. So in those days, you know, they, they, they didn't have locks on doors that you could open up with, with a key. Uh, the doors and the gates of a household were locked uh, and had to be opened from the inside. That's why the servants had to be ready for their master's arrival, even at all hours of the night. The night was divided up into uh, uh, three three-hour periods that they called watches, watches of the night. So if the master arrived in the second or the third watch of the night, that would mean he was arriving in the wee early morning hours, maybe between 12 a.m. and 3 a.m., somewhere in there. And most everyone else in the household or the neighborhood would be sleeping, and it was particularly difficult for servants to stay awake and alert during the second and third watches. Those are the worst ones. They didn't have coffee to help them stay awake. They couldn't just turn up the volume, you know, in their earbuds, listening to their favorite music to help them stay awake. No, no. The one motivation that they had to keep them alert and ready was the desire to please their master and the desire to avoid his judgment. So Jesus also compares his return to a, a thief in the night here. Burglars always show up unannounced. They never call ahead and let the homeowners know about what time that they, they plan to show up in order to break in to their home. If, if, if they did, well, then they might be in for an experience like those burglars from the movie Home Alone, if you've ever seen that. Um, you know, that kid knew exactly what time those burglars were planning on being at his house, and he was ready for them. But Jesus was making it clear his people won't know the day, they won't know the hour, when he will come. Verse 40 again, you also must be ready. For the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Now, in my lifetime, there have been more than a few attempts by self-proclaimed Bible teachers or prophecy experts who have made a claim that they have figured it out. They have figured it out. They, they know the year or even the date when the Lord would return. And this used to be a great fascination even for good, faithful Christians in evangelical free churches like this one to follow. 
Churches would hold prophecy conferences where, where, there, where they would bring in pastors and teachers who would have their charts and graphs and illustrations demonstrating exactly how the end times were going to play out. And some were pretty certain, based on what they were reading in the, the newspapers, that they even had the timing down of when we could expect the Lord's return. It has been and can be a great temptation for us to think we know. We know. We got it figured out. We know just when it will be. But the Lord here says, the Lord Jesus here says, and I think it's the theme for this whole section, you also must be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. You don't know it. You won't know it until it comes. Now, verses 41 through 44, Christ will reward his faithful servants who are prepared for his return. Verse 41, Peter said, Lord, are you telling this parable for us or for all? And the Lord said, who then is the faithful and wise manager whom his master will set over his household to give them their portion of food at the proper time? Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Truly I say to you, he will set him over all his possessions. So Peter asks the Lord Jesus a question, wondering just, just who this particular teaching was directed towards. Is it, is it for us or for all? At that time, Jesus was with his disciples, but there was also a large crowd gathered around as well. We see that back in verse 1 of chapter 12. In the meantime, when so many thousands of people had gathered together that they were trampling one another, he began to say to his disciples first, so to his disciples as well as to this, this large crowd around them. So Peter's wondering, was this particular message for the 12 disciples or was it for everyone following Jesus? Just who was he talking to here? And Jesus, as, as he often does in the Gospels, doesn't directly answer Peter's question, but instead shares a parable. And the parable focuses on a faithful and wise manager a faithful and wise manager that the master has set over his household. So to get back to Peter's question, that, that just doesn't sound like it was referring to everybody. It's, it's, it's for those who have been given responsibility over a household. So could it be that Jesus was preparing the apostles for their leadership roles in the church? If so, then this would also be a word of direction for the church's spiritual leaders throughout the centuries, pastors, elders, deacons, Bible teachers who must manage their households, that is, their churches, must manage their church as well, making sure to provide those under their care with, with portions of food at the proper times, that is, they must keep their churches well fed with the faithful biblical preaching and teaching. That could be exactly who Jesus was referring to here with this parable. But it could also have been speaking to all believers, all those who are following Christ. For all believers will have some role to play in the household. All believers will be given gifts for ministry by the Holy Spirit, for service within the church. Every believer, no, no matter who they are, will be responsible for obeying their master and seeking to care for others within 
the church and within their own families. For the Lord calls all his followers to love one another and to make disciples. So as is often the case, I think Jesus' answer to Peter's either or question here is, is this for us or, or for all? Jesus' answer is yes. Yes, it is. That is, both you disciples and all who follow me need to listen and abide by this teaching. You all must be ready. You all must be prepared and anticipate my coming. You all have responsibilities you need to take seriously. But Jesus emphasizes here the reward that will come for his people who are prepared for his coming. Those who do take their responsibilities seriously from church leaders who faithfully disciple their church members to pastors who faithfully preach and feed their flocks the word of God every week to, to, to parents who faithfully teach and disciple their children and provide an example uh, for them of what it means to follow Jesus, to general run-of-the-mill believers who love their neighbors, who put in a full day's work every day and, and tell others about their hope in Christ when they have the opportunity to do so. Every believer who fears the Lord and obeys his word knowing that they will one day face him will be rewarded by the Lord himself when he comes. Look at that again, verses 43 and 44. Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Truly I say to you, he will set him over all his possessions. This is reflective of the parable of the talents that Jesus also told in Matthew 25 when, when, when the servant who put uh, the resources that he was given to work for his master and made more for his master, that that servant was rewarded and was given greater responsibility in the kingdom, placed over, over more cities. This reveals that at the judgment, there will be reward and honor for those who are faithful to their Lord in this life. They will be lifted up. They will be blessed, it says, when he comes. This is emphasizing, or this is emphasized in this passage, in the whole passage. If we just look back at verse 37, paragraph earlier, blessed are those servants whom the master finds awake when he comes. And then in verse 38, blessed are those servants. And then here for a third time in verse 43, blessed is that servant whom his master finds so doing when he comes. Three different times. Jesus wants us to know that he does take notice of how you serve him. My son Luther is currently in the second grade at Stanton Elementary. And one thing that the school does to encourage good behavior amongst their students is that they will hand out an award to a student who was caught doing good. So when a student is noticed doing something good for someone else, and they may, and then they are recognized then by a staff member. They may not think at the time that anyone was watching them, anyone was, anyone was seeing them do this, but they just do it, and they're noticed, and are, and then a staff member recognizes them at the end of the day with a caught doing good reward. And here Jesus is telling his people, he notices, he does take notice of the little things they do to bless and help others. Jesus 
does take notice of every time you resist temptation and obey his word. Jesus sees and takes note of every single time you respond with patience to another person. Jesus Jesus sees this. He knows this. Every time you show kindness to someone else. When when, When you take the time to prepare a lesson and a craft for just a few children in your Sunday school class or, or the junior church group, helping them to know the gospel, helping them to know who Jesus is, pointing them towards saving faith in Jesus. The Lord takes notice of that. When you get up early in the morning and you sit all by yourself at your kitchen table with your Bible open, praying for your family members, praying for your pastor, praying for your fellow church members, praying for unbelievers in faraway places and that missionaries would, would, would reach them and that they would hear the gospel and believe. Jesus is telling you here, he notices that. And you will be rewarded for your faithfulness. So let's not overlook the most amazing verse in this whole passage. It's verse 37. Some of you may have thought I, I did overlook it, but I was just saving it until now. Here Jesus tells us how he will honor his people who are faithful to him in preparing themselves and others for his coming. Look at verse 37 again, friends. Blessed are those servants whom the master finds awake when he comes. Truly I say to you, he, that is the master, will dress himself for service and have them recline at table and he will come and serve them. Jesus is saying that that for his servants, who he catches serving him faithfully, who are ready for his coming, who are looking forward to it, who are anticipating it, he will himself put on the clothes of a slave and he will seat his faithful servants at a table and wait on them. He will serve them. He will bless them. This is a most remarkable reversal. This kind of thing doesn't happen with masters and servants in our world, but it will happen in the kingdom of God. Just as Jesus had come to the earth not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many, when he comes again, he will once again put on the servant's clothes and care for those servants who were faithful to their Lord, to the very one whom they were willing to suffer and sacrifice for in their lives. They will be honored by our Lord Christ. So brothers and sisters, don't for a second think that serving Christ won't be worth it. Don't for a second think that that, that the Lord doesn't even know what you're going through in serving him. You will be blessed both now and even more so in the kingdom that is to come by him. And then lastly, verses 45 through 48 Beware of disregarding the Lord's return, for there will be a judgment. Look at verse 45. But if that servant says to himself, my master is delayed in coming and begins to beat the male and female servants and to eat and drink and get drunk, the master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him and on an hour he does not know and will cut him in pieces and put him with the unfaithful. 
And that servant who knew his master's will but did not get ready or act according to his will will receive a severe beating. But the one who did not know and did what deserved a beating will receive a light beating. Everyone to whom much was given, of him much will be required. And from him to whom they entrusted much, they will demand the more. So after hearing uh, the shocking statement in verse 37 of the Lord of all the universe stooping down to serve his faithful people who ready themselves for his coming, Jesus then uses a different kind of shocking language to warn those who heard him about what would happen if they disregarded his return. Once again, he seems to be referring to leaders, those who have responsibility over others within his household, those who are teachers, preachers, pastors, leaders over churches must be warned. If they abuse those that Christ has given them to serve, if they mislead them, if they seek to turn those that they are teaching away from Christ, if they fail to prepare them for his coming, they will be met with severe judgment Upon his return. Verse 46 again. The master of the servant will come on a day when he does not expect him and at an hour he does not know and will cut him in pieces and put him with the unfaithful. And that servant who knew his master's will but did not get ready or act according to his will will receive a severe beating. The Lord Jesus loves a sheep. He cares about those who trust in him and he wants to make sure anyone who is called to be a leader or a teacher over his people will take very seriously the role that they have been given. Later in Luke 17, verses 1 and 2, Jesus will warn his disciples that temptations to sin are sure to come. There are many temptations that ministry leaders can fall into from pride to abusing those whom they are called to serve and Jesus says, those temptations are sure to come, but woe to the one through whom they come. It would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were cast into the sea than that he should cause one of these little ones to sin. It is troubling when there is not a fear of God among those who sit in the pews. That's troubling. But it is absolutely shocking when there is no fear of God from those who stand behind the pulpits. Again, it says, to whom much was given, of him much will be required, and from him to whom they entrusted much, they will demand the more. This is a message directed towards leaders and teachers who have been given such a great responsibility and lead and speak God's word to his people. James 3 says teachers will be judged with greater strictness. And here we see Jesus using words like cut in pieces and severe beating to give us a sense of the seriousness of the judgment upon any leader who disregards God's word and deliberately leads his people astray, who abuses his people. The Lord is coming. He will return. And from these verses it is clear when he comes... Judgment will follow. Now these verses aren't very clear on the timing of when that final judgment will come. Faithful Christians have, have different views on that. 
even here in this church. Uh, but even though the timing isn't clear, it is clear that judgment will follow his coming. The Lord will judge. So will you be prepared is the main thrust of the passage. What do you have to do to be prepared and to prepare your house? That's what we should be concerned with. So how do we prepare? What do we have to do to be prepared for this? Well, recall back to Exodus 12, where we started. Exodus chapter 12, when the Lord was preparing his people for when he would come in judgment on Egypt. When he first told them to gird up their loins, to be ready for his coming. Let's look back at Exodus 12 again, and uh, we'll read 12 and 13. For I will pass through the land of Egypt that night. He says, for I am coming, I am coming. I'll pass through the land of Egypt that night, and I will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast. And on all the gods of Egypt I will execute judgments. I am the Lord. The blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And no plague will befall you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt." So what would have happened if they would have disregarded the Lord's instructions about his coming? This blood, of course, is, is the, the, the blood of the Passover lamb that they've killed. It will spread it over the, the doorposts of the house. What would have happened if they would have disregarded the Lord's instruction about his coming? What would have happened if they would not have taken his word seriously? Well, they wouldn't have killed that Passover lamb. They wouldn't have spread the blood of the Passover lamb over their doorposts. And when the angel of death came, he wouldn't have seen the blood and wouldn't have passed over the house but would have destroyed the firstborn son in the family. Without the family home covered by the blood of the lamb, judgment would fall on them. If, if they wouldn't have taken the Lord's word about his coming seriously, they would have been disastrously unprepared. They're given his word. If they ignore his word, judgment falls. Destruction comes. So will we take his word seriously? We are in a similar place. The Lord Jesus is coming. When he came the first time, he came into the world in order to save his people from their sins. He is, the Gospels tell us, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He shed his blood on the cross, and now all who trust in his atoning sacrifice of salvation for them will be covered by his blood and will be saved. Make sure you and your houses are covered by the blood of the Lamb. Make sure you are taking his words seriously. Gird up your loins. Be ready. For the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Let's pray. Thank you, O Lord, for your word. Thank you that the Lord Jesus came to save us. That we can be covered by his atoning blood 
that he paid the penalty for our sins. Lord, help each one here to truly put their hope in Christ, not in themselves, for their righteousness, for their salvation, for the hope of eternal life and the kingdom to come. And Lord, help us as a church to be faithful to your word, to continue to proclaim this message to our children, to seek to make disciples of them, to seek to make disciples of all, Lord, who come. And Lord, to hold out the words of life to our neighbors, friends, family members who don't know you, so they too can be prepared for your coming. In the name of Jesus we pray, amen.